catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Monday morning, October 10th. I'm Jacob Sedesi, and this is The Point from WUFT News. Hurricane Ian heavily impacted Sanibel Island, leaving many structures unrecognizable and destroying the only bridge connecting it to the mainland. I spoke with Fresh Take Florida's Julia Coyne about one woman's experience staying on the island through the storm and what she's doing to help. A lot of the reporting that came out of last weekend really had a lot to do with the connections that I had here, having grown up on Sanibel Island and in Fort Myers. We connected with Carolyn um, through someone that I used to go to school with when I was probably like eight years old. So we spoke with her because she and her daughter, I remember just being through and through island girls. Um, And I knew that they still lived on the island and being up in Gainesville and watching the news go by and broadcast all of the pure just like weather facts of what was going on and where the hurricane was passing over. I really was relying on social media of these people that I grew up with and I still had on Facebook or Snapchat or what have you posting about their families and what was going on. I suppose that leads me into my first question. How did you connect with Carolyn Bradbury Schwartz and how did she become the central character in your story? This girl posted that her mom had stayed on the island um, and that she had lost some contact with her. I reached out to her and talked to her and then eventually connected with Carolyn um, and was able to speak with her and her experience having lived through the storm and being, you know, one of the later people to be rescued because there were um, some elderly people, people who were injured, who needed to get off the island um, with the help of first responders before she needed to. And she, you know, she was fine staying. She wanted to get off, um, but she was fine, you know, walking around and trying to help whoever she could. So, yeah, what all did she do while she was on the island and why did she stay? She told us one story about how she would go and collect phone numbers from people who needed to contact people on the mainland or people in other states um, because there really was no signal on the island for a long time. She was really being a helper bee while she was there. And then once she did get off, she snuck back on to the island three days in a row to, you know, pull things out of her house. Because with the storm surge, the floodwaters, once they get in your house, you have maybe a day to get all of that sea-soaked furniture out of your structure before the mold starts to set in. Um, So that's why she and a lot of other people who stayed on the island wanted to stay because they needed to do what they could to save what was left of their homes before leaving for an indefinite amount of time. Because we did not think that the bridge was going to be fixed in probably a year or two. Um, And then Governor DeSantis made, you know, all of the decisions to get as many people down there to fix the bridge by supposedly the end of the month. So that led to her making her trips kind of going under the radar of the officials there and other people really refusing to leave, even though the conditions there were not safe, not what they grew up knowing Sanibel to be. Can you talk a little bit about some of the damage that she saw? 
having grown up on the island, I recognize the names of a lot of these streets that she was referencing. And that was very helpful to be able to put together a picture of what was really going on. And there are main roads that were just completely blocked off um, and just barricaded with fallen trees and debris and tables and trees and cars piled on top of each other, still in flood water. The main thing that everybody has talked about uh, is the gray sludge that is just all over the island. I actually went on island. That's an exclusive. No one knows that we did that yet, <laughs> uh, other than our editors. But that was very just shocking to go through and walk through all of that because that sludge that Carolyn was talking about had dried into this super dusty film that was still caked on everything, but it wasn't so hard to get through as she had described. It now was to the point where people were passing us on like swamp buggies or cars were going by that were filled with like first responders and they would kick up all of this dust as we walked through and we were wishing that we had brought like some of our masks from the pandemic or neck gaiters or anything like that because it's just completely covering everything the island that I probably saw last more than six months ago is known for all of its natural wildlife and vegetation and all of that stuff. And it's just all brown. It looks like a wildfire went through. That was Fresh Take Florida's Julia Coyne on one woman's experience staying on Sanibel Island through Hurricane Ian. Now let's catch you up on today's top stories from around the state. UF sole presidential finalist Nebraska Republican Senator Ben Sass visits campus today. The Alligator reports that Senator Sass is scheduled to participate in three forums throughout the afternoon for students, faculty, and staff. The forums will not allow for any public comment. Instead, a moderator will ask questions based on submissions from the UF community. Twitter blocked then restored a post from Florida Surgeon General Joe Ladapo that promoted an analysis claiming a high incidence of cardiac-related deaths in men who take the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. Politico reports that Ladapo recommended men aged 18 to 39 should not take the vaccine. Ladapo is a known critic of the COVID-19 vaccines, questioning their effectiveness and safety against the general consensus of the medical community. Five years after the last Constitutional Revision Commission, a Florida lawmaker wants to do away with the practice. WUWF reports that the commission meets every 20 years to propose changes to the Florida Constitution, which are then referred to the statewide ballot. A similar abolishment bill failed in the 2021 legislative session, but passed in the House and Senate earlier this year. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Visit wuft.org for more information. I'm Jacob Sedesi, and you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Monday.